0: Tricky Diesel. Tricky Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> All right,
1: guys, I'm back. Am All I nice. good?
0: Yeah, you look good.
1: Well, thanks. You guys look good, too.
0: No, I don't. I, I have a sweater on with no shirt under. I haven't showered in like 40 hours.
1: All right, on that note, welcome <laughs> into Triple OT. I am Scott Chasen alongside Evan Riggs, Mike Makey. Guys, this is our first morning podcast. We got an extra hour of sleep. Because of daylight savings time, which I seem to forget about every year, how did you spend that extra hour, Evan?
2: I mean, fishing up Stranger Things. I uh, was a little bit devastated at some of the, some of the events late in the show. Uh, Specifically one character's uh, fate, but you know other than that, you know, good show. What do you recommend?
0: Real quick on Stranger Things, I think that they missed a really good opportunity. The the first season should be Strange Things, second Stranger, and then for the finale, Strangest (laughs) Things.
1: But then then what what about when they have a fourth season?
0: Uh, yeah, see like, I mean, Cabinet (laughs) 3, you know, all all, all good, the the Strangest
1: Things. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Evan, I'm, I'm surprised you were that torn up over that character. I watched with a friend and we won't spoil any of this if you want. To I don't watch story, Stranger
0: Things. You guys are good.
1: Well, we have listeners though, Mike. Um, <laughs> if if you do want it spoiled, you can check out the Scene Setter podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Chase wow. Oh my God! <laughs> t- pin tweet out there. Um, I was watching it with Sean Collins, a good friend of ours. I don't know if he's been on the podcast, um, but he is like broken up over the death of this character, and I'm yeah, just, me too. Like, I was just kind of like, eh, he's fine.
2: See, like, at, at the beginning of the episode, like, I I turned to to Alex, my girlfriend that I was watching with, and I was like, you know, so-and-so is going to die this episode. It, you know, it isn't, you know, and, and then he does, and it was just, oh, man. And then, you know, the way it happened, it, like, this yeah. character is such a smart character, and it just happens in, like, the dumbest, like, most horror movie, like, death type of way. Like, it, it was just frustrating.
0: So is that a scary show? Because, like, I, I see a trailer playing, and it's, like, kids riding bikes, and then I see, like... <laughs> Like got like creatures come and like kidnap little children. It's like it's kind of freaky, right?
1: It, it's a little. The first season was a little bit. The second season was, I would say, more scary. But I wouldn't classify it as a scary show. I would say it's um. It, it's more of a drama than like a horror. Yeah. A horror film. You know, was horror.
0: it more, was it scarier than uh, Thunderbolts? Because that was pretty scary. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a good way to transition into actual basketball today. Guys, we've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk, this podcast is going to be heavy about the Cavs, the Wizards, probably the two best teams in the East, maybe a third team that Mike's going to talk about here in a second, but they've kind of developed into this rivalry, you know, obviously back to like 2008, you had Jay-Z writing raps for LeBron James about Deshaun Stevenson, so nothing new here, but it's kind of intensified, so That'll be a fun conversation. Mike, do you want to start with the thing you noticed?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, everything in the beginning of the year was just kind of, you know, misery for Boston with that horrible injury to Hayward. But since then, I mean, they they lost their first two games. They have bounced back so impressively. Jalen Brown um, has been just lights out. Uh, Tatum is killing it as well. Irving seems to, you know, really fit into the new offense really quickly, averaging 22 already and just shooting 44% from the field. So I, they, they look really solid. I thought that they'd get crushed by OKC because of rebounding and, you know, just it's a tough place to play. And they're, you know, the guards on OKC have a little bit of a height and, you know, weight advantage. But they really battled back after getting punched in the mouth on the roads and on the road in a tough place to play. So I, I'm impressed with Boston. I, I think that they're, you know, it might just be a little, you know, sometimes when a good player gets injured, everyone rises up for a while and then it kind of evens out, regresses to the mean. But for now, they're, they're really impressive. So that, that they're worth noticing for me.
1: The one thing that's been, of Boston, most impressive that I've seen is, is Kyrie Irving's buy-in defensively. Yeah. Obviously, and you mentioned him on offense. We we know, I mean, anyone who's seen the highlights knows that Kyrie Irving is, is just an absolutely ridiculous player, and he, he's already had his fair share of them in Boston. But defensively, he's kind of been willing to spearhead that effort, and I think their defensive ratings show that, the team is a lot better defensively when Kyrie Irving, who is a terrible defender in Cleveland, has yeah. been on the court. And uh, he, he's also been working in pick and roll, pick and pop with Horford. I, I like a lot of what they're doing up there. So I think that's a good pick. Evan, thoughts on Boston?
2: Yeah, no, I, I was going to say the same thing about the the pick and roll, pick and pop. He and Horford have been a, a killer combination in that respect so far. And uh, I think it was Matt Moore on Twitter was saying, you know, got Kevin loves has got to be, gotta be like pretty frustrated watching this, thinking, you know, man, why why in the world like, couldn't we do this? Right. But. But, no, I mean, Boston's been impressive. I didn't get to see a whole lot of that game every night. But, man, I mean, the whole, to hold the Thunder at 39 points in the first half after what sounds like, you know, the best they had played all season, like, you know, the Thunder players were saying, like, that, you know, that that is the best version of ourselves, like what we saw in the first half. And, you know, that stark turnaround in the second half, I mean, give credit to Boston's defense. Like, I mean, they, they really turned it up a notch.
1: Mike, are you on the – they're number one in the East right now. As we record this, it's Sunday morning. This will probably be up Sunday evening. Where do you see Boston finishing up?
0: You know, I still have them third. I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction. Uh, This is, like I said, I, I think a lot of it could be just riding that wave of, you know, everyone coming together and just playing 110%. So don't get me wrong. Stevens is one of those coaches that can have a team overachieve. When they were in the earlier stages of kind of their rebuild, when people were just kind of noticing them, I think it was like three years ago, uh, five thirty eight said they'd have like 50 wins and we all kind of laughed at that, but then they they did play pretty well. um I, I still haven't finishing third. Washington's impressed me. Every, same old story about questions up out their bench. the calves every, everyone just I love the overreactions they crack me up. the Cavs are gonna be okay. they know they never really play great defense, but this is not a big deal. Cleveland I saw I saw so I have Cleveland, Washington then uh south except three, but I think it's going to be a big disparity between three and four.
1: We'll get into a lot of these topics later too, so we can we can hold off for now. But Evan, do you want to go into the thing you noticed?
2: Yeah, the uh, thing I noticed is uh, what the hell, Orlando? Like, <laughs> Orlando was a team that we were kind of not starting to believe in, but like you know, we almost made them a topic last week. We were going to make them a topic this week if they had like if they had another good week if they kept playing well. I- I'm covering a high school game. I'm in a-, a press box in Iowa, so you know there's a lot of Bulls fans up here, and someone goes. You know, Orlando lost to, to the Bulls by twenty two. You must be a really bad team to lose to the Bulls by twenty two.
0: Oh, hey. How
2: how in the world do you let Chicago beat you by twenty two points? Give the Bulls their second win of the season. Seven Chicago players scored in double figures, including like Chris Dunn, Justin Holiday. The holiday green like, Mar- Mar- like Marketing had like thirteen points, not like he went off. It's just disappointing because they were they were a team I was looking forward to kind of you know talking about because they had they had been pretty fun so far this year.
1: I think we're due for a lot of regression with like Aaron Gordon's three point shooting, and yeah. obviously he's playing well and and Evan Fournier is like i said we're we're gonna I think we're going to see a lot of regression across the board, which is why we haven't talked about them to this point. I still think aren't they like seven and three or something like that?
2: I think they're six and three. the The interesting thing is going to be what happens when uh, Alfred Payton comes back. Yeah, he's, had, he, he's been out for all this, and like Augustine and Shelvin Mack, like two two point guards who are you know nothing more than serviceable, but they're guys that can actually shoot the ball, so that's helping the other players. They
0: had think, a good win in in Memphis too. That's a team. That's a team that is really tough to beat at home. I, I've been really impressed with Orlando, even though I mean teams do that where teams lose to teams that they shouldn't, especially early in the year. Chicago is awful, yes, but uh, that game like Denzel Valentine was raining threes. And if that happens, you know, the impossible to really happen where Chicago almost wins a game. Hell, they almost beat the Pelicans on the second night of a back-to-back. It's ridiculous.
1: And, well, and, and I saw Zach Lowe wrote, I think, in his column, the, the 10 things he likes and doesn't like. And and talking about Orlando, he mentioned maybe the possibility for a trade of uh, of Eric Bledsoe for, like, DJ Augustine, Ma- yeah. Mario Hazonia, and a protected pick that's a trade I, I wouldn't personally mind. I haven't given up on Evan's rookie of the year pick from two no, years. No, that was ago. me. That was me. Oh, was that you? Yeah,
0: yeah, he was my yeah I was going to say, this is a very Hazonia-friendly podcast, okay?
1: <laughs> yeah, what, what? remember when he was doing all, like, the Zach Levine dunks or something? I yeah. talked myself into him being the next LeBron.
2: Yeah, he still could be. There's time for the kid. I'm still waiting for him to get in the dunk contest. He said all <laughs> the Zach Levine dunks were easy, and he could do them, and he would win the dunk contest, and he, you know, he was it. still waiting for that. All right,
1: we'll wrap it up here with the thing that I noticed. Speaking of stranger things, Andre Drummond is a great free throw shooter now. Counting the preseason, he's at 75% on a pretty like ridiculous volume. He went 14 for 16 against Milwaukee. I read a really good SB Nation breakdown. He's lowered his starting point to get rid of the shooting hitch. Obviously, like you hear things about big hands affecting shooters, that's largely been maybe not debunked, but proven that there are stronger correlations with things like size, release point, consistency of metrics. That being said, awesome for Andre Drummond. If he can even be a 50 or 60% free throw shooter, he becomes playable. I mean, he was at like 33%, but the fact that he's at 75% makes him arguably a top five center. So I, I think that's a huge, a huge boost for them.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I I think that the whole big hands thing has always just been kind of a scapegoat, uh, you know, reason for for people that just don't necessarily want to practice it or for people that are so mentally annihilated by missing all these free throws that they kind of go back to the whole big hands thing, because, I mean, you look at a guy like Robertson, Evan is all too familiar with this. I have no idea why a guy like that can't get a shooting motion down. So I I agree with you, Scott. I think that uh, myth has been busted. Um, and that, uh, I mean, it's about work. It's about repetition. It should be the second easiest shot to the layup. So
1: I, yeah, there,
0: uh, I think the big hands thing is kind of, uh, kind of there,
1: there are two, I read a, a good story on ESPN, two examples they gave Kawhi Leonard and Andrew Nicholson, yeah. who have the largest hands for their position are both really good free through shooters. Uh, Michael Carter Williams uh, in this study done with like 130 players had the smallest hands relative to height. And he couldn't even shoot seventy percent at the line. So again, he does there other is, things well. <laughs> yeah, not really. But there, and again, there are you know some things like the bigger you are, you're releasing the ball higher. So if you have the same arc as a smaller player, it's going to be coming down in an accelerated rate. Things that bounce off the rim will bounce away. If you try to overcompensate with a flatter shot, you're going to hit back iron. There, there are plenty of reasons for this. I, I just. Yeah, I, I think there were two good stories, and, and I mentioned the SB Nation breakdown on Andre Drummond and the ESPN free throw one. I would recommend for anyone to read both of those, because I thought they were really great work.
0: Yeah, Scott, that was some pretty good physics back there, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is impressive. I, th- I think the most impressive part is just the the, the mental aspect of it, kind of like Mike alluded to. You know, you, you can work and work and work at all offseason, like you know, all these guys do, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Andre Robertson, Andre Drummond, whoever, but to actually be able to come out and, and and make those shots is something that not a lot of guys, have you ever seen somebody who's like been, you know, sub 40% free throw shooter
1: ever start this well in the season? Like I can't remember. No. You know, the trick it's mentioned in the ESPN story, you wiggle your toes. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> no. It, yeah, it I, I could have used your that body. trick. Yeah. I tried it. Yeah. I tried it. It loosens you up. You get like relaxed and calm. It's kind of nice
0: you need to be on the bench somewhere, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, I think this is, unless we, do we want to do a bonus thing we noticed real quick?
0: Do you have another one, Scott?
1: Well, Zach Levine signed a shoe deal worth four yeah. year, uh, three years, $35 million. I thought that was kind of insane. Mike, how do you, how does that make sense?
0: I think it makes sense. I mean, Levine's an exciting player. Young people like him and, it's a lot of like the ADD nation that just likes Levine because he could just like go to YouTube and look up some like crazy dunks that he does. I know he got hurt and all that, but, you know, Derek Rose signed like a $400 million shoe deal. And, you know, he's he's been hurt a lot. So, I mean, I I, I like it.
1: Evan, Mike says young people like Zach Levine. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, they do. I, I'm, the, I'm the cool expert here. I know what's cool. Okay.
2: He, he's probably not wrong. I mean that that dunk contest for what two years ago is probably gonna live in you know live in infamy for a lot of people.
1: live in <laughs> infamy, I like it. Uh, I didn't. Wanna... I think it's a
2: good deal.
0: It's not even that expensive of a shoe contract, dude. There's like I mean, if you want the three balls, it's gonna cost you B, or it's gonna cost, it's gonna cost you one.
1: <laughs> it's gonna cost you one a solid one B. as it? No, quality. I was
0: I was doing algebra. Three balls equal one B.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So that's 0. 0.333 balls per B. I guess. Yeah. B, so
0: what is the sum of B?
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I did think I wanted to- We're journalism
0: majors, dude. I don't
1: know. E- Ethan Strauss, uh, formerly a Warriors reporter at ESPN, told this story on his podcast, the House of Strauss podcast. Um, it was kind of a crazy shoe deal story and I thought it tied in and Kind of applied to maybe Zach Levine. I also thought James Harden was a guy. So I'm going to tell the story. He didn't say who the player was or who the brand, but you guys can kind of maybe take a guess at it when when you hear this story. So Ethan Strauss said there was a player, kind of a budding young NBA star, not quite a star, but maybe getting there. And a shoe agent went to him. They really wanted to sign him to their brand. So they offered him, he said, a gazillion dollars. So they offered him a ton of money, way over his market value. Then the agent went back to the shoe company. We don't know what it is. And he said, what do you guys think? And the shoe company said, absolutely not. We're not paying that much money for him. So then the agent said, can you just make a mock contract of what that contract would look like? So they made that contract. The agent took that contract to the player and got him to sign it. And that, you know, technically would not be legally binding. But if you think about the PR disaster, it would be for the shoe company to say, oh, no, 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 we're not offering you know, that guy that money. So they had that to that. That is stick so slimy.
0: It. Oh I my know, gosh. Right? That is that yeah. No. I, that, that's Harden, below the triple OT ethics.
1: James Harden was one that thought I thought of, and then also Levine, but I don't think it's Levine. I, so I really, don't
0: hate the deal. Like I said, I don't think it's that much money for a shoe deal.
2: Yeah, and you know, again on Levine real quick, I'm not I'm not surprised that a guy like that got the deal. But Scott, real quick on that story, is it somebody who had like who was already in the league or like
1: somebody who was like coming up to a draft? The implication seemed to be it was someone who was already in the league, but he was Allegedly. very vague about how he told it. Okay, so it's not like one of the you know,
2: quote-unquote megastars who like, signed their deal on the way up. No, no. I'm trying to think. John Wall switched to Adidas from Reebok a couple of years ago. I that. Like Reebok the Wall- still a
0: company?
1: Well, not anymore. John Wall uh, kind of buried that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Wall's a good one. I mean, I just remembered Harden signing for like $200 million and everyone being like, uh, that's a lot of money.
2: Yeah, but Harden, Harden at least he had had a couple of of good. I mean, I don't know if he was a, a superstar quite what he is yet, but he he
1: was pretty pretty high up on the list already at that point. John Wall, maybe. I don't think it would have been Derrick Rose because I think he got his shoes after he won MVP. Yeah, yeah, he did. Who else has? I don't think it would have been Kyrie. Steph, <laughs> <laughs> you know that wouldn't it would fit the timeline. Hashtag the timeline.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to even think of like who who are some more guys I've even got like shoe deals recently because like like it's not KD, it's not LeBron. Like those guys are getting. All I, the I don't think anyway. it's Andrew Wiggins. Not Wiggins got his deal in the in the draft process. Devin yeah.
0: Booker. I just wanted to beat Scott to saying Devin Booker this show.
1: I was gonna work it in later, so that's good. Congrats, Mike. <laughs> All right. Well, you can tweet us at TripleOTP or any of us on Twitter. I'm at Jason Scott. Evan at Evan Rriggs and Mike at MJ underscore Making. If you have a guess or happen to think you know who it is, hashtag really Who Got the Shoes. <laughs> hashtag Who Got the Shoes. I love it. Okay, let's let's get into the the thing that we're going to spend the bulk, maybe the entirety of this show on. We've got a lot of discussion here. The Wizards are trying to fight everyone. Good. We kind of talked about this last week. They set their sights on the Cavaliers, and that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of this show. So the Wizards have been causing a lot of problems for, I guess, themselves at this point. This is all per the Washington Post and ESPN. Here are some quotes that they gave about the Cavaliers before facing off against the Cavaliers. John Wall said, We feel like we're their biggest threat. I think they didn't want the number one seed for a reason because we would have played them in the second round. I think they wanted to see us in the Eastern Conference Finals. Bradley Beal said, I feel like we're the best team in the Eastern conference he was talking about. And then back in may Cleveland didn't want to see us. I always said that. I feel like that's the reason they didn't play us in the second round. They didn't want to see us in the second round. If they were going to go down, they were going to go down in the conference finals. They didn't want to go down in the second round. I sort of believe this. I think I mentioned this last year that Washington was the hardest matchup for Cleveland. Yeah, Do You guys think Cleveland tanked at all. If you remember lebron didn't play the last two games of the regular season the Cavs ended with 51 games two less than the celtics yeah they
0: didn't want to play chicago (laughs) no no i think that joking aside i think there's some validity to that i think people are a little bit naive if they don't think that players kind of with like two or three weeks left in the season try to strategize what's going to be the easiest for us and it's not that you're afraid of a team i think it's smart i think it's smart to you know what's what's a better matchup for us let's we're in a position where we've won enough games we've done our job throughout the regular season where it gives us the luxury of kind of sitting back and being able to be strategic i i think that's um totally valid i also want to go on a little bit of a rant here if you guys will you indulge let's um, lob it up i love 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 the wizards because of this reason i i love that they they should talk everybody they try to fight everybody i think that's great i was watching a bunch of old 90s clips of this like, jordan documentary and God, we really missed out, guys. '90s basketball, man. That if you go to the paint, you get you're hitting the floor. Teams legitimately didn't like each other. It's like playing at the wreck and trying to hold court. Now, because of AAU basketball, everyone is so goddamn buddy buddy with each other I, I don't, don't want to see the players, you know, give each other hugs after the game. I want to see the players get in each other's faces because they want to win. I, I just swear there's way too much camaraderie where it's at. It's at the point where all the players kind of seem like we're all making so much stupid money off these contracts, off these shoes. Let's just not ruin it for each other. Let's not get a little chippy physically because we don't want to. And I'm not saying go hurt people, but I'm not I'm also, you know, not saying just give up a layup because I don't want to get a little too rough with this guy cuz maybe then they'll get rough with me. I mean, I, it's it, the Wizards are like a beacon of intensity in a time where everyone is just so buddy buddy and I blame AAU, I blame big contracts, but I I love that the Wizards are kind of bringing like 90s grit back.
1: It's kind and of border this bordered on a like a super quasi-political take. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'll don't make it political. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't super agree with a lot of what you said. That's a big shocker to anyone who's ever listened to this. But by um, the way, the thoughts
0: no, that come out of my mouth are reflective of everyone from Triple <laughs> OT.
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna say, but I, I appreciate you going out on a limb and and embracing your role as the voice of the people. Evan, what are your thoughts on Mike's rant?
2: I mean, again, like like you, Scott. I don't really agree with like with everything that Mike said, but you know, there 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 is definitely some validity to it. Like, you know, just an example when when the Celtics played the Cavs, uh, you know, first game of the year, when when LeBron and Kyrie Irvin did like their handshake, like yeah. literally like yeah. the one second after the shot, after Kyrie shot missed, that that was a little weird. It would it would have been like, you know, cooler if it would have been like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, like just glared at each other on the way back to the tunnel. Yeah. Like, like there there are things like that that. You know, I, I wish there m- people weren't weren't so buddy buddy,
1: but yeah. again, like I, I, I understand it, I get it. I I think there are some. I don't think it has to get like on even on the court that much, but there are some things I can appreciate, like the kind of weird Boston Phoenix thing. Well, now Boston has like eleven new players, so I'm not sure if that's going to hold over. I guess. But that was kind of a fun, like when they were mad that Devin Booker dropped seventy on them and Phoenix was like, Yeah, well we suck, so why would you be mad? The Suns are terrible. No, I don't like
0: that. Get the intensity back. You know, if, if I, I'm but, playing if I'm playing against one of my friends, you know, at the wreck and kid you, I'm putting them on the ground.
1: <laughs> but but to my point, <laughs> great, Mike. <laughs> but but to, but to my point, like I kind of liked going into those games with a little bit of attitude, being like, "Yeah, these teams don't like each other. Russell Westbrook and Alex Len hate each other." So, yeah, see how they when the, the Suns and, and the other. Thunder
2: hate each other, like when you guys have the Morris
1: twins. Yeah, and I the want, Alex want, Len thing was awesome. Alex Len Russell Westbrook was the rivalry we never knew we needed. <laughs> I want
0: more of Russell Westbrook wearing the photog stuff. Before the Durant game, I like that stuff. I, I like when the Wizards wear all black at the at the Celtics game because it's their funeral. I think that stuff is great, and I want more of it. I don't yeah, want daps that, from what? your old teammate. You just played a hard game, a hard fought game against a team that you have you should have aspirations of beating in the Eastern Conference Finals if you're Boston. Don't. It, it's kind of disheartening if I'm a young player on Boston. I see Kyrie give LeBron dabs after the game. Don't do that. You just had a terrible shot to you know try to tie it up. Don't do that.
2: Were you a fan of uh, Kelly Oubre's jacket the other day then, Mike? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually did. I heard about it. I didn't actually see the jacket, though.
2: He's going to get fined for it, but it was you'll, you'll have to go back and watch the replay of him uh, <laughs> doing the walk-in because he, like, turned right before he got into the like the locker room to make sure, like, every camera got a good shot of the back. Does, of
1: Kelly, Oubre, does Kelly Oubre know how much money he's making? I just want to <laughs> be very clear on this because for a guy who's on a rookie contract, he seems to have no problem getting fined.
0: Oh. Uh, I mean, professional athletes not being able to budget their money, that's strange.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Getting back to the point, though, Evan, you think the – I'm not saying the Cavs ducked the Wizards, but I believe holding out LeBron was a clear move saying, we are a okay with the two seed. We know we're going to beat Boston in five games max because Boston can't rebound. Um, I think that was a clear move of the Cavs saying, yeah, absolutely, we're going to punt on the one seed here.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I'm not going to say it's not possible. But, again, that that type of thing is, you know, impossible to prove. Because you look at LeBron had played approximately a bazillion minutes by the time <laughs> they are in game 79 last year. I mean, they had way overworked him. I think he led the league the in ba- minutes. Yeah, yeah, way overworked him to get to the, the point they are at. So, you know, the, he legitimately probably did need those two games off. But, you know, at the same time, if it was partially to to avoid the – the the Wizards and Celtics you know good on them I mean they got the Raptors who they've beaten like 25 straight times in the playoffs in the second round so I mean worked out worked out well it was clearly if that was what they're going for clearly a good strategy
1: the best team they faced in the playoffs until they got to the Warriors and I, I believe this forever was the Indiana Pacers yeah yeah I mean I I don't did they didn't lose a game to the Raptors right they swept them
0: no, they swept the Raptors, and the Pacers had so many good looks to beat them too. Like yeah, those games Pacers were closer Pacers, than, yeah,
1: they very, very close. Four game sweep. The Celtics series. I mean, the Celtics won a game, but we're going to talk about a little bit about that series in a little bit. But I mean, I mean,
2: Cavs were up by forty in game two. Like it, it wasn't. <laughs> it was never in question.
1: Yeah. Um. Some answers. Tyron Tyronn Lue was asked on ESPN about, um, I believe, by Rachel Nichols about the quotes. He laughed and he said. You want an answer? We ducked the team that – and then he asked what happened again, what they said, and he said, I love you, Rachel, no comment because I don't want to get in trouble. But they're right. They're the best team in the East. He was clearly joking. At one point during this game, I don't know if you guys watched it, but LeBron James literally jumped over Bradley Beal. Um, like he had the ball and went out of his way to jump over him as he was land, like lying on the ground. I mean, come on. Why at this point ever would you trash talk LeBron James?
0: Just to make it interesting, to fire your guys up, to get the locker room, you know, wanting blood. They got to go out there with like war paint on their face to beat the Cavs <laughs> in the playoffs.
1: Okay. I'm going to take the opposite stance here, and then we can get it. This, is a, this was kind of the next place we were going with this conversation. LeBron James has that kind of quality that a lot of greats have that when they get trash talk, they tend to respond with like the most ridiculous games. I gave the example last year, Jalen Brown in the playoffs called LeBron just another guy. Uh, The Cavs came out and won by 44 points. LeBron had 37, 4, 4, and 3 in 30 minutes, which was the least he played on any playoff game. You have the Clay Thompson saying LeBron got his feelings hurt, and then LeBron scored 111 points with 34 rebounds and 28 assists in the last three games of the NBA Finals and won a championship. And, of course, Donald Trump trash-talked LeBron, and he dunked all over him. So uh, I would never trash-talk LeBron James. That's just my two cents.
0: You don't want to awaken a sleeping tiger.
1: Yeah, I would. I would say my move. You guys have never. Well, maybe Evan has. But whenever I'm playing against someone at the rack, especially, is like I'll be like, "Great shot, good stuff." Oh, great no. move! No, yeah, I'm not I, like I that. give him the false confidence.
0: No, I'm I'm, I'm a big time trash talker.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I agree with Scott. I mean, the the approach I've always believed with LeBron James is uh, you you don't want him to see you coming because you know if you have his attention, it usually. Usually, it's not going to go well for you. I think another one you left out, Scott, was the Stanley Johnson a couple of oh, years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it may have been after Game Two. Maybe I think you know the Pistons had lost like two pretty close games, and uh, you know the next two games were still pretty close. But also, it, it's just like why, like why you're, you're the eight seed? Why why is your rookie say I don't even remember what he said about LeBron? But why is your why is your rookie talking crap about LeBron James? Because your rookie's it,
0: fearless it, and wants to take on the best. I don't understand what the problem
2: is here. Yeah, well, he hasn't done anything since then, and it's been like you know sixteen months. Uh, yeah, but I mean,
0: just confidence alone, I like that, man. Uh, don't cower to LeBron. I mean, if if you're afraid to say anything about LeBron, that means he's already in your head, and and that you have no expectations. You shouldn't be afraid to say something to a guy on the court. If anything, make him just try to try to like play off him so he takes more pull
2: ups. And then, I don't know if it worked out well for the Wizards. He dropped what 57 Well, all
1: right, Evan. It clearly wow. hasn't worked
0: out for many people in the Eastern Conference for the last like ten years. But <laughs> I mean, I, I just, right. I Hold
1: on, hold on. My my Wi-Fi cut out for a sec. So can I predict what the conversation was while I was gone?
0: Yeah, go go for it.
1: Okay, so Evan gave a really well reasoned point that agreed with me, and then Mike <laughs> disagreed.
0: No, dude. I, I I have a I have a good counterpoint. I I, I could you guys. You guys, I don't I don't ever wilt to you guys. I will not bend the knee <laughs> to the to the Chason Riggs. Siamese twins
1: conglomerate the conglomerate (laughs)
0: conglomerate. yeah no no
1: no let's let's you guys are Walmart
0: and I'm like the mom pop store
1: (laughs) let's let's talk a little bit about the like LeBron's actual game though because it was one of the best games of his career yeah Uh, this is a stat from from Tom Havishow of uh, of ESPN so uh, a player efficiency rating in a single game by a player in his 15th season or later first all-time previously was Kobe at 42.8 LeBron James was 53.2. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, it, it was a pretty ridiculous game. For that, obviously you have to hit free throws, but he only hit nine. Usually you have to have a high usage rate, but he had seven assists. He only took 34 shots. And he only took four threes, only made two of them. That's why it was a lot different uh, than a lot of other games that he's had, like kind of those monstrous explosions. Have he, he only had seven him? assists, though. Only, okay. oh, But uh, did you guys see that game and, and yeah. what do you think of the way he played?
0: I, I, I mean, he was just on, you know, and, and when, Le- when LeBron is hitting those, you know, pull-ups and those fadeaways that I was alluding to, you're not ever going to stop LeBron, but those are shots that you are you know, happy to live with if LeBron is not charging towards the basket. I, I mean, the guy can go to the paint anytime he wants, and then it's awfully tough to either not follow or to, to not follow him and to stop him simultaneously. So, I mean, when LeBron's hitting like he was, it's – it's going to be something like that. The guy, anyone that has any doubt that maybe he's slowing down, LeBron can put up one of these performances in a second and just put all that to rest. It was incredible. And his court vision is, is something that I think has always been a little bit underappreciated maybe a few years back. Like people started noticing really just how good of a passer LeBron is. But, um, I mean, when he's like I said, when he's hitting those outside shots, he was working hard too on the, on the glass. It was a really impressive performance overall, and you could tell that he was playing with a little bit
2: extra fire. I was going to say, to me, the thing that stood out uh, is that he definitely like, kind of had that look. You know, that, yeah. that, that 2012 game in Boston, Game 6, when he, when he dropped whatever, you know, 60 points, whatever it was in Boston.
1: Wasn't he, it like, if I'm remembering, wasn't it like 45-15-9 or something just absolutely yeah,
2: insane? It, it was something like that, you know, in the Game 6 elimination game. Like, this kind of reminded me of that. Just in the sense, like, you know, you look at LeBron and you're like, you know, holy crap. Like, like this guy, like, this guy's coming for this team's throat tonight. Like, that that's what it felt like to me. Like, you had, you know, a couple times he, he buried jump shots and was, like, you know, pointing down at the court. Like, you know, to say, like, you know, this, this is mine. Like, this is mine. There was a play where he made a jump shot, did that, you know, and the, the, the whole Cavs defense fell asleep. Someone got behind him, made a full court pass. He turns around and blocks the layup. And it's <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, 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 this guy's ridiculous. I mean, it it's just insane. He, he's now the youngest and the oldest guy of all time to have 50, 10, and 5, which wow. is a, a ridiculous stat. Like, I, I've never heard of somebody being there. about sustained success,
0: yeah. Well, To do
2: anything. I mean, that, you know, he, he was 20 when he did it the first time. You know, obviously age 32. I think previously the two oldest, I think, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook did it last year at age 28. And I think uh, David Robinson, also at age 28. So he's like four years older than anybody else. It's just insane.
1: Yeah, and I I thought Mike kind of touched on it. Obviously, you know, the jumper was working. He was 7 of 10 scoring on post-ups. And those were mostly those turnaround fadeaway shots that are incredibly difficult. Kelly Oubre said after the game, like, what am I basically, what am I supposed to do? That's the exact shot you want him taking in that situation. It's just... When it goes in, there's, there's not really anything you can do. Another stat from ESPN, 14 buckets in the restricted area. When he drove to the paint, he scored, and then the other times he just kind of settled for that, his mid-range shot. And I mean, obviously it was working, but I did want to know why I thought it was a little bit different than some past LeBron performances, and I thought we could also talk about what we remember from those. Uh, obviously, his top scoring performance all time is the 61-point game against Charlotte. He was wearing a mask. That game he started eight of eight from three, though he only shot for this game. Do you guys remember that game? And and because to me that game was all about putbacks and three pointers.
0: No, I, I remember. I remember some other uh, really impressive LeBron performances, uh, more so in the playoffs, specifically the Eastern Conference playoffs. But uh, yeah, there uh, the Charlotte game. It's just when he's when he's when he's hot, he is unbeatable. I think it was last year in the postseason. Was it against? Uh, Indiana in one of the games that wasn't so close, where he was just on fire from the uh, three-point line. Uh, Those guys are like, I mean, when they're feeding him the ball in stride, like in transition, he's deadly. When he's pulling up, he's deadly. So, I mean, the Charlotte one, I don't remember as, you know, vividly as maybe you guys do, but it just, it doesn't strike me as abnormal. It's what, honestly, what strikes me as, you know, a little bit weird is that his highest is 60, is 61. I feel like he'd be able to do that, you know, routinely almost. because like, when he's hot, he's hot.
1: It's it's kinda like the Devin Booker thing where he scored seventy points but he got a bunch of assists, so he could have scored eighty. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly okay. like that. What wasn't the Charlotte game, wasn't that the one of the few games he got to wear the black mask?
1: No, that was I think that was the game after they made him take off the okay, so black again, mask.
2: Again, he, he was mad. He took something personally <laughs> and he scored a billion points. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: do you you guys remember the one that i always watched on youtube i've seen this like 50 times is when he scored like 15 points in two minutes against the bucks
2: no i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) he
1: just and then the announcer is just going crazy like he's he takes like a heat check and everyone's like okay okay and then he comes down and like he gets progressively further and further from the hoop farther with his heat checks and the Cavs announcer just
0: Oh, yeah. By the way, quick plug, uh, just for being like a League Pass junkie, the Cavs have one of the best broadcasting teams in, in the game. They, they get so excited. It's, uh, you know, do not not a Cleveland fan, but props to the broadcast. If you have the means to have League Pass, please listen to the
2: Cavs' announcers.
1: You have a billion dollars. A billion
0: dollars.
2: Yeah, I, I think the LeBron performance I'm that I'm always going to remember above, above all of them, unless he does something amazing to end his career here, is that, that Pistons Eastern Conference semifinals game. In 2006, yeah. where he had like 25 straight points, had I the
1: 29 had the big the dunk last o- 30,
2: yeah, like 29 the last 30, had that big dunk over Rasheed Wallace. Like it, you know, it's just just insane. And you know, think back, that that's 11 years ago. That's 11 years ago, and this guy is still going out and dropping 57 points. Like he, we we we've never seen anybody like that. That's been able to you know to have the consistency that that he has. My
0: two most impressive ones, real quick. I mean, uh, number one, I'll just be obvious with the block and in Golden State when you know, runs all the way back down the court, gets a pivotal block, and, you know, it pretty much ices the game there. Uh, game, I mean, game seven, too, so pretty pretty high stakes. And then two to kind of make it close to home and you know, bring out the tissues, but that uh, turnaround three-pointer in the corner that stopped a three-to-one yeah. Bulls uh, lead in the two. United Center. It was a two. It was a two.
1: People forget that. He had his foot on the line. Yeah,
0: well, well after after four. David Blatt was gifted a free timeout, then uh, that, was, that was huge implications on that. It would have been Chicago three-to-one, but LeBron in the United Center just shut the entire crowd up in classic LeBron fashion. And then I guess uh, as a shout-out, I'll say Nazi Muhammad moment uh, pushing down <laughs> LeBron James. One of the best <laughs> things I've ever seen live.
1: <laughs> I, I like when Joakim Noah, too. There was just one time where he randomly shoved Chris Bosch when he was lying on the floor. Do you yeah. remember that?
0: Yeah, oh, I do. I remember all those. Let's see. It's just, uh, you know, LeBron has just always held back every other fan base for his entire career. And so I do respect the dominance there. I hate it, but I respect it. So,
1: Um... I other top performances too I noted he scored 56 against the Raptors in the second season which crazy but yeah. he, he drilled six threes in that game 55 against the Bucks, he had eight threes that's kind of why this was crazy to me according to Candace Buckner of WAPO the Wizards tried eight eight uh-huh. different defenders on LeBron James and they couldn't stop him the only thing was Markeith Morris wasn't quite healthy and Markeith Morris has guarded LeBron a lot of the time they've been in there obviously Markeith Morris is not going to stop LeBron James but Mike do you think he goes for even close to this if Markeith Morris is healthy
0: I think it's a little bit different just because Markeith is a pretty physical defender and I'm not going to say that LeBron's you know thrown off by physicality he's one of the most physical players I've ever seen but it just wears you down a little bit more than if you have an undersized guy or a guy that's uh you know, tries to just be a little quicker on defense as opposed to, you know, bumping you through every screen. So I'm not going to try to, you know, say that LeBron wouldn't have had anything close to this. I think, yes, it would have been a little bit difficult to score, especially later in the game.
1: Markeith Morris, Evan, he's working his way back. I know, I think he played like 12 or 14 minutes. He didn't play well
0: either. Yeah, no.
1: No. And and he said he's not, not feeling 100% at this point. Obviously we've talked about how good he makes the Wizards, but I mean, you're never going to have a LeBron stopper, but does this game kind of like bring the banner out for? Yeah, you kind of need a healthy Marquise Morris if you're even going to have a yes. shot against this team.
2: Yes. Yeah. A- absolutely not. You know, not that he's going to be able to stop LeBron, but just you know, he he makes that starting lineup just work so well, and it's worked well with with Oubre and Porter when when they've started together. But you know, obviously with the Wizards lacking the depth, I mean. You know, it's Oubre, and then it's just some other guys on the bench, really. I mean, you've got, like, Tim Frazier. If you can get Mike Scott to step up on a random night, like, guys like that. But, I mean, if you get if you get Marquise Morris back and playing well, that, that just helps so much because, you know, for a team that's already thin, you need Oubre to take that bench role, to, to boost that bench. And, uh, obviously, you know,
1: again, if they're going to challenge the Cavs, they're going to need every bit of firepower they can muster. LeBron, after the game, said, While he's leaving the court, this is the best I'm feeling in my career. He's averaging 29, 9, and 7.5, 33 player efficiency rating. He has scored 90 points with 18 assists, 17 rebounds this month. He's shooting 61% from the field, 39% from three, 83% from the line. I picked LeBron to win MVP before the season. I can't remember if any of you guys did. Anyone coming around on the LeBron MVP talk?
0: Well, he's playing a lot better than Kyle Leonard so far, so maybe
1: I should. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. No,
2: I I think I was actually going to make this the thing I noticed before LeBron like went crazy the other night. Like he, the narrative could not be any more perfect for, for him to win MVP right now. I mean, the Cavs start out with like a dumpster fire, and then and then you know, Tristan Thompson now goes down. Then I mean, you're going to have LeBron. You'll bring him back from the dead. They're going to win fifty plus games, and he's going to be amazing. Like you know the the narrative. The narrative is, is a big deal, obviously, in the MVP discussion. And you know, especially like voter fatigue, like you know, it's gonna be easy for these voters to like to see a clear narrative if, if this keeps up with LeBron James. Giannis looks pretty MVP. good,
1: though. Giannis, the only question is will the Bucks win enough games? Because I have a lot more confidence. Wasn't it. that
0: kind of put to rest with Russ? I know it was a historic season that he pulled, but
1: I but I think the difference is if they both have like crazy numbers. I mean Russell Westbrook, I truly believe this. If he averaged 30, whatever. 11 and 9.8. I don't think he would have won MVP. Yeah, which is is
2: which is dumb But I completely agree with like that. I I agree that probably would have happened He wouldn't
1: I agree by the way that it would have been dumb If you're you
0: guys want to start talking if MVP is most valuable to your team or if it's just best player because we that could take up About four hours (laughs) (laughs) Let's do that in relocation.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get that. Yeah, right after relocation. Um, you mentioned Tristan Thompson, Evan. With Tristan Thompson out, Cavs are kind of in trouble, especially defensively, where they've been trashed. Their efforts been pretty horrible. But again, as Mike kind of talked about earlier, anyone who's saying like they're in trouble needs to remember they've already beaten Boston and Washington, which is yeah. the two best teams of the East outside of them. I mean, there's obviously a ton of new faces. I believe they've had six different starting lineups. LeBron and Korver are basically the only ones who can hit a three. D Rose is on a minutes restriction. It is even out. Like he hasn't even played yet. Cows are going to be fine, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, at the same time, I was going to ask you guys if it is a little bit concerning that, you know, number one, uh, they're off, but, you know, usually like last year when their defense was struggling, it it was like, you know, eh, like, you know, their offense is just so good. But, you know, so far this year, I mean, they're not, obviously, LeBron dropped 57, they go for 130, but their offense hasn't been great. Like, like you said, Korver was really the only other guy that's like consistently hitting three pointers.
1: Is it concerning that that the offense hasn't been been good so far? I think I think Kevin Love is gonna get a lot better as the year goes on. I think he's shooting about like thirty-five, thirty-six percent from three at the time we're doing this. So watch him like hit 12 threes tonight and then if they're even playing, and then all of a sudden he's hitting shooting like forty something percent because it's the early season. But I, I think love is gonna get going. I think Jay Crowder has been a guy who's still trying to find his spot. And I think the other part of it is too, I don't think the the offense can be as good without a guy like Kyrie Irving. I know he killed the ball a lot. But he was also like, I mean, a pretty ridiculous, prolific offensive player. So I think it's going to take some time. When Isaiah Thomas works back, we've already started to see the videos of him, you know, dribbling between his legs on the court, which are already, you know, admittedly getting me super excited for his return. I think there's there's still going to be kind of that feeling out period. But I expect by March this to be a top three offense, top four offense in the NBA.
2: Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, I really don't have... I mean, again, it's so early, it's it's LeBron James. Like, you can't really be too concerned about about this team.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys nailed every point, you know. I, I just, it's, it's LeBron. His, his offense is going to be good.
1: <laughs> Do you think the Cavs make a trade? This was interesting. No, I don't think they need to. <laughs> but here, here's the one thing I would say. I was talking about this with a friend. Obviously, they don't want to give up the Brooklyn pick, especially if LeBron leaves. But the thing is, I mean, if you're a team in contention and even LeBron is leaving or staying, there's a case to be made that you could trade that pick with a piece and say, we are going to win this season at all costs. I mean,
0: can I talk you- about a trade real quick with the Wizards, the team that they played? Sure, go for it. <laughs> All right, so you know, just quick shout out uh, as me and uh, Elder uh, Mike Makey, and my father, were enjoying calamari and old fashions, uh, we decided that Nikola Mirotic would be a great trade to the Wizards <laughs> for for a bench for the bench unit.
1: That's interesting. I
0: think right? think between Auto get him Porter- cheap. The Bulls want him gone now because he's just being a diva about getting his face broken. I think they can get him for absolutely almost nothing. Um, and the, the Wiz- what do the Wizards need? A bench and shooting. Get him off the bench. Put him in for a few minutes. Try to get some fire if he's not, take him out.
1: Only problem I could see with that is a lot of their floor- – I guess he'd feel like the Mike Scott role kind yeah. of – You'd be probably having to play Otto Porter more at the three in that case, and maybe even Markeith Morris a little bit more at the five. If you I just think it's the be best team Porter. he can go
0: to, and I don't think they'd have to give up almost anything for it. Just put him in for about eight minutes. If he's pump faking more than he's shooting, take him out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think if the Cavs don't want to deal that Brooklyn pick, I mean, I think one, one deal, you know, not for a specific player, but just one thing that's probably out there is you could probably deal Shumpert you know, get, get some kind of big guy. Cause I mean, they, they need some, they're going to need some other big guy after Thompson goes down. I mean, you can't really count on, is it Zizic? Is that, is that the kid's Zizic? name?
1: Ante Zizic? Is Ante it? Zizic. You're
2: know. not going to be able to count on him for big time minutes, but you're, you're going to need somebody besides you know, Kevin Love and, and Channing Fry that down low for an extended period of time. Former
1: Suns legend. Yeah. Former Sun, former bull, former magic, former, <laughs> any other teams? i I'm sure like half of them.
0: I I don't know, man, but uh, Channing Frye is like my idol. He's my favorite player of all time.
1: All right, here, I'll throw out the trade right now. Isaiah Thomas, Brooklyn Pick, and Iman Shumpert for DeMarcus Cousins. Let's do it. Sign it up. Oh, my
2: gosh. I hope not. That would break the NBA. No, that, that doesn't – See, I, I don't get why people keep trying to go get DeMarcus Cousins for the Cavs. Like, what does that really do for them in the Golden State matchup?
1: Well, it just gives them another big guy. I was just picking a guy who – seems like you'll get like has, greg monroe you know, or the, someone
2: that's
0: just like a big body
2: like i I know you're just picking a guy but you know to, to name somebody like like nick Wright is like dead set on on getting boogie what, on, what on about here's
1: here's one what about a guy like well see the, the problem is once tristan thompson comes back then then you're kind of like screwing yourself over because they want to play love at the five a lot and if they're already putting Love at the 5 for minutes and already playing Tristan Thompson at the 5 for minutes, and Thompson was horrible in that series against Golden State last year, let's say you go get a guy like Andre Drummond. When when do you find minutes for both him and Thompson? That's kind of an issue.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he can go out and trade for another big guy of that caliber just because, you know, they, they need more. If anything, they need more wings. They, they need more you know, wings that can defend, that can play two ways. I don't really know who that guy is, uh, but.
0: I would love they, Beverly on that team. I, I just think it'd be fun. It won't, it logistically probably wouldn't work, but I, I would love to see Bevan in, in a Cavs jersey.
1: That would be dope, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, if uh, if Chris Paul would have said he wanted traded a little bit sooner or a little bit later, then maybe, maybe somehow through a trade could have got worked out, Beverly on the, on the Cavs.
1: If you call the Cavs and say, I don't know what the salaries are here, but Isaiah Thomas and the Brooklyn pick for Patrick Beverly, what do you think they're saying?
0: (laughs) Hard pass. Yeah, yeah. No, No, thank you, sir.
1: Wow, you're saying no? No, I don't think so. No to the Brooklyn pick. Man, that thing's going to be hard to move. I want him to just trade it to the Suns for Bledsoe. I don't even care. Like, they can Bledsoe and pick a player. That, that's not going to happen. That Scott, well You're, that's, you're, you're that's starting with
0: Bledsoe happen. for the year. Bledsoe's just going to be, like, demoted to, like, getting the team lunch and, like, checking them into the hotels and, like, handling the logistics.
1: Evan, <laughs> I know very well that's not going to happen. I just, <laughs> it's just what I want to happen so badly. I just I keep yeah, seeing that. all these videos of Bledsoe working out at like the Arizona State court. I'm like, "Forward to Dan Gilbert. Hey, look at this guy." <laughs>
2: <laughs> I yeah, know. I mean just that that pick is so much more valuable at this point than than Eric Bledsoe. But, you know, again, I, if I'm the
1: Cavs, I'm still I'm not moving that pick. I'm hanging on to that pick for dear life. Uh real quick, let's let's close out this scrush, uh, our discussion on LeBron James even though we've kind of done this, but Um, Some real quick history. LeBron's the youngest player, obviously, to score 29,000 points. The last time he was held under 10 points in a regular season game, January 5, 2007. That was 10 years and 10 months ago. LeBron's streak is 800, second longest in NBA history. Michael Jordan has 866. LeBron will pass that this year. Um, Can you name the second longest streak in the NBA of 10 points or more and how many games it is? Who has it and how many games? LeBron has 800.
2: Durant? No. I was gonna say I think it probably was Durant before he went to the Warriors.
0: Is it it's an active player then, Doug?
1: It's the second longest active streak. Active.
0: Mm. Is is it someone obscure? Because I'm I'm, no. I'm I'm getting hipster.
1: Good score. It's, it? like it's not Westbrook,
0: is it? Not Westbrook.
1: Did you say JJ Reddick?
0: No, no, that was a that was a ghost
1: from the machine.
2: Carmelo? Um, not Melo. Paul George. Nope. Well, now we've guessed every Thunder player.
1: Uh, not quite. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Is it, oh,
2: it's a Brinus.
1: No, I was just a former <laughs> Thunder player.
2: James Harden. James Harden.
1: James Harden. So LeBron's yeah. streak is 800. What number is the second longest streak? Like 300.
2: Evan? Uh, let's see. Don't ready. say 301. Don't press this right. Uh, I'm going to say like 195.
1: 201. Yeah. Evan! <laughs> LeBron has more fifty-point games than single-digit scoring games in his career, eleven to eight. Name the other two players in NBA history who can say that. I don't know, like Bill Russell. Nope, Bill Russell only oh, yeah. really averaged like fifteen points a game. For all right, game. all right, the other
2: two players <laughs> in NBA history with more fifty-point games than single-digit games: Jordan.
1: Jordan is one, and the other one's <laughs> easy. No, come
2: on. or Abdul Jabbar.
0: No. On. Oscar Robertson. Oscar Robertson.
1: No. How is
2: the other how is the other one easy if it's not the best scorer in NBA history? I'll give you a hint. He <laughs> averaged 50
1: points a game for an entire season. Will Chamberlain. There you go. Lob. Duh, Evan. Someone's supposed to say duh. <laughs> when I say lob, it's throwing up the lob.
0: No, nah, I don't want to disrespect, you know, my opponent. I'll just softly lay it in. Lob. <laughs> soft soft layup. Damn, Sh- it shake shake hands.
1: It doesn't work as well. Um so then we're about 50 45 50 minutes into this so let's let's close out the conversation with this we've talked about the wizards the celtics a little bit we've talked about the greatest th- threats to the cavaliers in the west let, or in the east let's talk about the greatest threats to i guess the nba overall the Golden State Warriors being the team that is coming off an NBA championship that's starting to look like they're finding their rhythm, just dispatch the Spurs. I know Kawhi wasn't playing, but they were down by 20. You close your eyes for a second, you look up, and they're up by 20. I thought it would be kind of fun to rank our top five biggest contenders for the Warriors and talk about each of the teams a little bit. So I think we should start with number five, our number five teams. I'm happy to go first, or if one of you is ready, you guys are welcome to jump.
0: I'll go first because I want you guys to just trash it. OK,
1: <laughs> um,
0: Memphis. Hello. I th- I like I've i always thought Memphis was the perfect foil to match up with Golden State. I mean, so it's a little contradictory because in the pre- uh, preseason show, I said Houston's going to win it all because of their shooting. But if you can't outshoot Golden State, which it seems like no one has been able to, you got to be physical inside with them. You got to, you know, rub them off of every single screen you got to be bumping into them. you got to play tight defense. And above everything, I think you have to slow the game down or at least try your goddamn best to because it's almost impossible. Uh, Memphis is, I think, a great – they've had success against the Dubs too, not necessarily in the playoffs, but they're they're a team that I think makes the Dubs noticeably uncomfortable. It takes them out of that fast-paced transition, or at least they they actively try their best to. And and I don't want to get – I feel like I get cliche every time I talk about them, but really like – the grittiness of that team in the, the, the well-disciplined coaching. They don't really hurt themselves with turnovers as much. They'll, they'll follow you because they're tough on defense. But I, I just think that Memphis is a really good counter team to Golden State. So I'll say Memphis.
1: Memphis is interesting because they're still 27th in the NBA in pace as it stands. That being said, they're playing a ton faster than they were last year. If they had this same pace in the NBA last season, they actually would have ranked 20th, which is just a sign that everyone else is playing faster. But to your point, Mike, that still means they're grinding it out more than yeah. a 26 NBA teams. So even that they're going a little faster, everyone is going a little bit faster. I think Tyreek Evans has been a huge difference maker. Obviously, when the KU guys come back, minutes for guys like James Ennis and Dylan Brooks are going to drop off. But I mean, you think about the win over Golden State. Marc Gasol was pretty much the only guy who played well, so um, I, I don't mind that pick at number five. Evan, do you want to give any thoughts quick on the Grizzlies and then your number five?
2: Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see see the Grizzlies. I know a lot of a, a lot of people will contend. I've actually heard somebody say this that the I think it was Brian Windhorst on the Zach, on the Zach Lowe podcast said that the Warriors will insist that the the, the series with the Grizzlies, where they get down two to the one and they're really uncomfortable, it's the most difficult. Western Conference playoff series they played, you know, I disagree because they were down three one against a different team. But you know, whatever. Uh, but but again, I mean, like like Mike said, like they, they they've got they've they've got the guys to to give him problems down low. I mean, Mark Gasol, when he when he wants to be like you know, there's guys that Draymond Green can stop in the post, like you know, a lot of guys in the league. Mark Gasol is not one of those guys. I mean, Gasol is just too much for Draymond to handle. They've got good perimeter defenders. I mean, Conley is spectacular, but you know, for me. I think just when I'm looking at this list, I'm just trying to get them who I think are the most talented teams. You know, five most talented teams, and that's why at five I, I have the Wizards. I mean, we don't have to talk too much about the Wizards just just because we've already hit on quite a bit. But you know, the combination of Beal and Wall and keeping it in game, you've got guys like Porter and and Uber on the wing who can switch everything. I mean, you've got Markeith Morris. You can play a lot of lines without Gortat on the floor. You can go small a lot. And I, I like the Wizards here.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll real quick close it out on the Wizards because they're also my number five pick. I think Otto Porter's taken a huge step forward. I mean, he ducked Devin Booker in the Suns, but other than that, he's averaging 18-7, 56-50-70 splits. The free throw percentage is going to come up. Kelly Oubre is taking a huge jump forward. He's averaging 13-6, and six, and we talk about depth a lot, but if you look at their playoff rotation, last year John Wall averaged 39 playoff minutes. Beal averaged 38.5. There was one outlier, otherwise he averaged 40. Porter averaged thirty-six in the Eastern Conference Finals. Morris was injured and averaged about thirty minutes anyway. Ubre is averaging thirty minutes a year. Gortad is averaging thirty minutes this year. So if you put that all in basically, then you only have to cover about thirty-six minutes. You need nine at backup point guard. You have Tim Frazier, sixteen at backup center, Morris and Mahimi can take a few. You know, Jody Meeks and Mike Scott will have to fill in for the other eleven to fifteen minutes, but they can they can make that work without depth. So I, I have the Wizards at my number five. I'll go to my number four now and say the Thunder. Um, I like what the Thunder have. I like what they could be. I just have three defined teams that are clearly ahead of them.
2: Yeah, I, I've got the Thunder four as well. And the, the thing is, they, they for me, have the potential to to be number two, mm-hmm. by, or even number one, you know, number one threat by the time this is all said and done. But, you know, I just have to see it. They have, they have so many new guys, so many guys play new roles. I just have to see it from them before I put them that high. And real quick, I just wanted to say, I, I do think that we saw in that uh, 2016 Thunder uh, Warriors, we, we saw that if you're going to give the Warriors problems, you you either A, have to have LeBron James, which only one team has that, and B, you have to be able to switch everything and, and have guys that can switch everything one through five on defense, and that's what the Thunder were able to do to them. And, and that's why teams like, you know, the Wizards with some versatile defenders and, and the Thunder and then I'm sure some of our other teams will, will have that ability.
1: Mike, where do you have the Thunder?
0: I, I, I actually had the Thunder, like, second. I could see them being really tough for Golden State just because I like the size on the perimeter. I like the ability to shoot, and I think Steven Adams is another one of those guys that can cause some inside physicality that the makes Kiwi, the Dubs uncomfortable.
2: The Kiwi, had the thing is, he has taken the jump this year that, like, everybody expected last year, so it's not really
1: getting talked about that. Raise your hand if you drafted him in fantasy basketball this year. I
2: oh. mean, he, he has been an absolute monster this year but I, I just want to be clear i have the thunder 4 right now but that's like as of today like i i do think at the end of the year things click like they they have the potential to be possibly the greatest threat but again p- part of what hurts them is the warriors want to crush them so badly and every time they play them that you're you're never going to get a bad golden state game when you play it, you know unless the thunder play well enough to force a bad golden state game You're not going to get a Warriors sleepwalk through three quarters like you might against other teams.
1: Yeah. The Clippers are another one of those teams. The Warriors (laughs) want to kill Mike. Who do you have at number four?
0: Uh, Dude, I want to say the Clippers, but the history between Clippers and Warriors is not really uh, in favor of that pick. I just think that they're a team that can get weirdly hot. And I think Blake could really expose Draymond in a matchup to the point where I kind of like them as as a top five team. So I could put them four.
1: Wow. So, That'll be interesting then to see who you're remaining, I guess, because you you got to leave one team out if I'm doing my math correctly here. Evan, uh, who is your number three?
2: I mean, just as of right now, I don't think this will hold, but as of right now, i am going to put Boston number three. Just wow. By, just based on how they've looked so far this season. Again, I don't think that this is just like as of whatever, November 5th. So, like, you know, I, I don't think this is necessarily going to be the order going into the playoffs, but. Just the way they've looked right now, I mean, Kyrie Irving has always been a guy that they can't stop. I mean, they, they can't stop Kyrie Irving. you still got Marcus Smart. You've got, you know, those two young wings who have been impressive so far. I mean, Boston's been impressive so far this year. And if they, you know, if they can somehow keep this level up, you know, in the
1: in the playoffs, like, I could see them being a threat. Hey,
0: can I have six teams?
1: Yeah, I know. I know you screwed yourself <laughs> on that. Mike, number three, go.
0: Give me the Spurs. <laughs> Give me the spurs for a lot of the same methodical breakdown reasons I had with Memphis. They're just better at it than Memphis is. Uh, I like, and I'll always go back to the only sample size we saw. With Spurs-Dubs, was the Spurs shellacking them in Oracle? So until Zaza cheaply slid his foot under, the Spurs looked like a team that could really handle themselves.
1: I have the Spurs at two, same reason. I know they were up 20 and then got absolutely destroyed by the Spurs, but that was without Kawhi Leonard. Greg Popovich is the best coach in the NBA. At number three, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. It is for LeBron James and all the reason we've talked about, and I still think they might make a trade. Anyone else? Uh, Where do you guys have the Cavs?
0: Well, I, I kind of screwed myself over, honestly.
1: So where do you want to put the Cavs now in high? I want,
0: I want them in the conjoined spot with the Rockets
2: as number one.
1: Okay. Evan.
2: <laughs> I, I've actually got the Cavs number one. Just, you know, again, they, they, the ultimate X factor, LeBron James. Like, it's hard to put anybody else above them just because, he, you know, we just saw it the other night. You, you see what LeBron can do on any given night. He can go win a game by himself. He can elevate his team at such a high level. With, with this play, I've, I've still got them number one as of as of this moment.
1: My number one, and Mike has him number one. Evan, you have them number two, is the Houston Rockets. Um, we, we've talked a lot in the past about their wings. I mean, you think about guys like PJ Tucker, Trevor Reza, Lucas Shard, and Bob Mute. Uh, what basically, I mean, Chris Paul hasn't even played, and they look fine. They look, I mean, they beat the Warriors one time, obviously, kind of extenuating circumstances in that game. Eric Gordon's having a good year. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do in the playoffs because I think Chris Paul is going to be. Everything that they haven't had when the game slowed down and they haven't been able to get those buckets in the mid range, I think Chris Paul is just going to be an assassin for them in the playoffs. And I think two players who have historically underperformed in the playoffs, or maybe not statistically, but team wise, I think they're going to get together and they're going to absolutely dominate. So uh, Houston, number one for me.
2: Dizzy Dizzy. Yeah, no, same same thing. You know, I have Houston too, but you know, for all for all the same reasons. Uh, again, before Mike uh, goes crazy on me here, I, I don't have the Spurs on my list as of. As of this moment. But again, I mean, that that's as of November 5th. That's as of the last time I saw Kawhi Learn. He could barely walk up the steps on an airplane. So I, I just want to see Kawhi Learn get on the court because, you know, I, I feel like the Chris Paul knee thing, how it, you know, even though it's kind of a mystery, like it's not a huge concern for me at the moment. Whereas, like, you know, the Kawhi Learn thing, like we, he ended the season last year hurt and now he has a new injury this year that we don't know anything about like I just like the whole thing kind of concerns me I just want to see him on the court healthy
1: We'll we'll definitely have Spurs talk maybe even when Kawhi comes back if that could be next week a few weeks I have no idea when he's expected back at this point a few other teams I wanted to touch on real quick just like two words on each of them uh, the Sixers are kind of a weird matchup they're not going to beat the Warriors but if Joel Embiid like destroys Draymond uh, I think that could be fascinating healthy Minnesota Again, Jimmy Butler's deferred a lot this year, but once Jimmy Butler turns it on and I, and they start to click, I think that team could be scary. The Bucks are another one with, with a lot of length. That could be a weird matchup, even though they don't have the firepower. The Pistons, too. I mean, they have Avery Bradley. They have some good defenders, but I don't think they're legit at this point. No, Despite what Tobias Harris said yesterday, he said, you better hop on the bandwagon now. Any of those teams... <laughs> I mean, no. who, who's winning the most games against the Warriors out of those teams? Is it the Timberwolves?
0: Timberwolves, but, I mean, by default, right?
1: Yeah, I would say the
2: Timberwolves just because, you know, we, we've we seen, you know, bad Timberwolves teams give, give the Warriors problems. I mean, Wiggins has been a guy that's played pretty well against them. And I mean, Towns, again, Towns fits into the, the mold of one of, like, four guys that, that Draymond Green just has absolutely no answer for in the post. And so if he has no answer, the Warriors have no answer. It's unfortunate that, like, two of those other three guys play on the same team in New Orleans. That stinks,
1: so they're not going to get a chance to to make an impact here. But Um, I think that's a good place to leave us off for today. Uh, That's going to do it for us today. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, triple OTP, triple spelled out, followed by the letters OTNP. You can search for the show on iTunes. We are also on the Google Play Store. We are also on Anchor, who... Uh, Provides this podcast credit to Tricky Diesel, who produced the music on today's show. Everyone want to shout out your Twitter handle as I say your name, Evan Riggs.
0: At Evan Riggs. Mike Makey. At MJ underscore
1: Makey. And I am at Chasen Scott. So thanks again for listening to Triple OT, and we will see you next week.
0: All right, go Rams, baby. I got to go.
1: Woo, Rams Nation! Good one, guys. Then
2: fucking Victor Oladipo Depot got fouled on a three pointer. The next <laughs> possession. And it was not. We haul. need
1: this rigs too. <laughs>